give you his peace. Good morning. I love this parable only found uh, in the Gospel of St. Luke here of the rich man and the poor man who is uh, hanging out at the uh, door of the rich man. And uh, there are two aspects of this parable I'd like to focus on. One would be uh, why is the chasm between the two uh, unpassable? And the other one is why is the poor man, why are we given his name? It's the only parable where Jesus actually gives a name to one of the characters, Lazarus. Um, so those are the two things. Um, so you know the story here. There's a rich man at his door. There's a poor man named Lazarus, and then they both die. And uh, the angels carry the soul of Lazarus up to the bosom of Father Abraham. And then the rich man goes down to a place of torment and flames. And uh, I thought it would be really interesting for this homily there, uh, there's a song that Father Stan Fortuna wrote about this parable called Dip the Tip. <laughs> I thought I'd try to learn how to sing that for you, but I, I ran out of time. But you can look it up on the internet, you know, where uh, the rich man asks, you know, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and come. So I'm in flames here. Dip the tip. Uh, so moving right along. Um, So after they die, there is this chasm between the two that cannot be passed. And uh, why is that? Well, I would like to suggest that that chasm was not passable because the rich man didn't help the poor man Lazarus during life here on earth. And so he established that impassable chasm himself. Um, and and I, I interpret it that way, kind of looking at a few other passages of Jesus' teaching. The measure that you measure out will be measured back to you. Um, in the Our Father, those two-letter words that cut like a two-edged knife. Forgive us as we forgive those. And Jesus says in another place, if you don't forgive, then the Father won't forgive you. And uh, so I think there's a parallel here that during life on earth, you've got the rich man, you've got the poor man. And the rich man, according to the context here, it appears that he never crossed the chasm to help the poor man. Even though he was rich, he had plenty. He could have given Lazarus a drink of water. And then he doesn't. And so he, in his lack of mercy, he established what would happen on the other side. So he himself, in his um, stinginess and his lack of mercy, he established the impassable chasm. So then when it comes, the, the tables are turned, now they're both on the other side, and now Lazarus is not able to help him with a cup of cold water or even a drop of water. There's an impassable chasm because, bless you, he himself didn't, during life, didn't help. And uh, this is mercy and justice. Uh, together, and it's only the love of God that shows that. So that's so that's my take on why there's an impassable chasm. You know, it's an extension of how the rich man lived here here on earth. And uh, uh, so we will get. You know, we know that 
when we die, we will give an account to God for how we lived. And uh, if we made efforts to be merciful and forgiving and loving, you know, in this life, then we will receive mercy and love and forgiveness in the next, you know. And so in some ways, it, it, whether or not we receive the mercy and love of God is um, it's on us in some ways, you know, it's on us. His love and his mercy is there. But whether or not we'll be able to receive it is connected to whether or not we gave it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. There's a corollary there. And that's a message of mercy that's both comforting and convicting, right? That, that gospel of Jesus, how, how does it happen? It's both comforting and convicting at the same time. It's like, wow, you know, there's, there is a standard. There is an accountability, but um, it's, uh, whoa. You know, it, it evicts a response uh, from us, you know. Uh, did I use the wrong word there? Evict, <laughs> evoke. It evokes a response from us so we don't get evicted from heaven. Okay, here we go. Um, so then the second thing is why is one of the characters given a name? You know, the only time that a character from the parable is given a name, we're, we're told that his name is Lazarus. And... Uh, I think it's somewhat easy and obvious to understand what happened there. Um, you know, at the end, the rich man says, well, send Lazarus back from the dead. So a resurrection, you know, so to, to warn my brothers to like change how they're living. And, uh, and then of course, Abraham says, well, even if somebody is raised from the dead, they still won't believe. And um, now we know the rest of the story that in the future, Jesus, did actually raise somebody named Lazarus from the dead. So this, this parable has a prophecy in there. Jesus knowing that he would raise his friend Lazarus, been in the tomb for four days, and Jesus raised him from the dead. And then, uh, if, if, as if that wasn't enough, he himself raised from the dead. And, uh, and so I understand that in, the, in, in this way. We know that God is love, okay? And we know that God wants everyone in heaven, the universal salvific will of God. God wants everyone in heaven. That's so comforting, isn't it? <laughs> He's on our side. And we also believe that God gives everybody the grace they need to make it to heaven. That's a dogma of the church. Isn't that wonderful? So God is love, God wants you in heaven, and God is gonna give you every grace you need to be in heaven. Okay, that's awesome, that's awesome. Um, so if you don't make it to heaven, it's on you, totally. You reject his love, you reject his mercy, you misuse the, the gift of free will, not to live a life for love, but to live a life of you know sin and selfishness, and uh, you reject his mercy, you reject his forgiveness, and he'll honor that, you know, but it's on you. St. Augustine had a funny way of saying it, the God who made you without you won't save you without you, meaning that we have to use the gift of free will to cooperate with the grace. The grace is there. We can trust and rely on that, but we, we have to cooperate with the grace, with the gift of our free will. And uh, so when we die, when each person dies and you come before God, I'd love to think about that, you know? We, we probably don't think about that enough, that there will be a day when I will die and I will stand before God and I will give an account to God how I live my life. Um, 
we can approach that, that throne of the Father with confidence and, and with boldness because of his love, because of his mercy, because of what Jesus did. And, um, but when we, when we stand before him, it will be so clear to us that God did everything he could. There was nothing more God could have done. He went to the furthest extreme of doing everything he could to help us and get us there. You know, he did everything he could. We will not be able to stand before God and say, if only you had dot, 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 I would have made it. You know, like that, that won't be a possibility. It will be super clear in the light of his truth, in the light of his love, that every single possible thing that he could have done to help us make it, he did. He did, you know. He, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And those guys had such a hard heart that they wanted to kill Lazarus again. It's almost funny and ironic and sad. Like, what do you mean you're going to kill him again? He was just dead and raised. And Jesus will raise him again. What do you, you know, testudura, you know, it's Italian for hard-headed, right? Holzkopf in, in uh, German. Wooden head, you know, like. And, and it's like, as if that wasn't enough, then Jesus raised himself. The Father raised him, the Spirit raised him, the Trinity raised, you know. He went to the furthest extreme of what he could have done, you know, to show his love, to show his mercy, to give his grace. And that's, that is so comforting and so convicting at the same time, right? That in his love and his mercy and his desire for our salvation, and the, so let's bring it home now. Let's bring it home. So, uh, all of that is, you know, you could say that about everybody, but, you know, even for each one of us, for each one of our loved ones, our, if you have children, the children, you're worried about them, friends, people that you encounter, we get worried, say God loves them, God wants them in heaven more than I want them in heaven, and God is going to give them every possible grace to make it. You know, that's, that's comforting. That's, that's something we can build our trust and hope in, that this is who God is, that we can trust and we can have confidence, and now... The trick is then the cooperation of the freedom of each person to, to really make that effort to receive the mercy, to receive the grace, and to respond in lives dedicated to love. And that's, that's again, like that first point I was making about the chasm, that if, if the, open, the door of our heart is open in mercy to others, then the door of God's heart will be open in mercy to ours, you know? We will be forgiven as we forgive. You know, if we forgive, we shall be forgiven. If we are merciful, we shall receive mercy. And so, um, all of that being said, let's pray for the grace <laughs> to make good use of the time that's given us to respond, to receive the mercy, and then to be merciful, to be transformed by how God treats us in the way that we treat others. And uh, we can do that, huh? We can do that. We can do that. And with the help of his grace, we'll get there. Amen.